Well, there's no reason for any of us to miss all the fun. The Nick Holt Podcast. Well, an independent Canadian news outlet called Redux has been instructed by the Australian government to remove or censor a story they published, which, according to the eSafety Commissioner, a job I'd never heard of, uh, quote, offended a trans-identified male living 14,000 kilometres away in Australia. The story exposed the identification of a male transgender individual who was alleged to have caused harm to female players while participating in a football match in New South Wales as a member of a women's team. In addition to that email from the commissioner, Redux was sent an additional notice from Twitter's legal department. Anna Slats is the co-founder and editor-in-chief at Redux, and she joins me now. Anna, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. So you've been doing this for a while now. Uh, Have you ever received a cease and desist letter from a country before? (laughs) No, I can say that we most certainly have not. And to be honest with you, when I got that notice, uh, it was actually through our webmaster because he gets the the emails in advance. He can see them coming through before they actually hit our inbox. And sometimes he tries to control for, you know, like if there's a really nasty message, he'll try and warn me or something like this before it hits our inbox. And uh, it was it must have been. Oh, geez. About midnight, my time, because I'm here in the East Coast of Canada. And uh, I get uh, a text message from our webmaster saying, hey, there's a message that came through that looks like it's from the Australian government. And I said, oh, what now? (laughs) Because I'm always anticipating one of these emails will come through at some point. To be honest with you, I was debating for a little bit. I was like, is this real? Is it is somebody pulling a prank here? Because it just seemed so ridiculous. I just could not believe it. Even though I had anticipated that at some point we'd run into problems with someone on something, I just couldn't believe that we had gotten an email from what was effectively the the adult feelings agency of Australia coming to threaten us because of content that we we had published about somebody that, that they were taking this action on behalf of them. Then we went and we started looking through our spam box to see if any other messages had ever come through because it almost felt like it was like a final notice or a final warning sort of feeling to it. And uh, then we see this email from Twitter that had been accidentally routed into our, uh, our spam box from the Twitter legal department that had actually been sent before the e-commissioner, the e-safety commissioner had written us saying that uh, the e-safety commissioner had applied to have that content was restricted in Australia because it violated Australian law. And uh, then I was like, this is just ridiculous. I just couldn't believe it. I went to my Australian friend, Sydney Watson, um, and she just was laughing. She just, <laughs> she couldn't even believe it either. So did they have any success in restricting that story? Yes, they did. So Twitter withheld the content in Australia. Uh, They did not specify what law we violated, uh, but they said that we violated Australian law, or at least this is what the claim from the e-safety commissioner was to Twitter, that Twitter then relayed back to us, was that the e-safety commissioner had told Twitter that we had violated the law in Australia, and therefore the content needed to be withheld on the basis that we had broken the law with this content, didn't specify what law. Did they specify what part of the story in particular it was that, uh, you know, caused 
foreign intervention from a, an alleged ally? Uh, well, they didn't in the email from Twitter. It was in the email that they had sent us on the 28th that uh, they sort of laid out all the grievances that they had. And it was like a big, long bullet point list. Um, namely, that we had identified the uh, subject of a Daily Mail article as being this trans activist. And so what effectively happened was that on March 30th, the Daily Mail Australia released an article discussing that about 12,000 complaints had been submitted to Football New South Wales about a transgender male player that had been participating on a women's football league uh, or in women's football competitions. They were alleging that he had injured some female players and there were some allegations that some female players had been hospitalized as a result of contact sport with him. And the Daily Mail Australia didn't name who it was, but they included some details uh, that it was a, an American-born transgender individual who had relocated to Australia. And they had also included some pixelated photos of this person. Mm -hmm. And they weren't particularly good pixelations. It made it very easy for us to identify, hold on, I think that that's this person, um, because we're very familiar with some of these more prominent trans activists. And this is a more prominent trans activist. The Daily Mail did a really garbage job of hiding who this was. Um, and it took our writer, Shay Woolahan, all of 15 minutes to cross-reference those photos with uh, some social media feeds to find out where they had come from and who it was. And we said, you know what? Daily Mail doesn't want to name them. We will. So you received a letter from the Australian federal government threatening you to remove or demanding that you remove content, which later then actually was censored in this country because you named an individual who caused injury to another group of in individuals, basically, is what you're saying here. Yeah. So he's he's alleged to have caused injury. When you when you peel all of that back, right, <laughs> yes. alleged to have caused injury. That is effectively what it is, is that we named somebody who uh, was alleged to be involved in an incident of physically injuring other people. That's what we did. Why are these people such a protected class, in your opinion? I think that uh, that is a really big question to unpack. Um, now, obviously, it depends on where you go. I'm here in Canada, um, and here in Canada, they get a tremendous amount of protection from the uh, federal and provincial governments. In the UK, we already know that they get a tremendous amount of protection. In Australia and New Zealand, we know they get a tremendous amount of protection. Uh, even in some states in the United States, even though you have all of these, uh, you know, pieces of legislation that are being proposed or are being passed to restrict medical transitioning of minors or to restrict certain uh, ease of access to medical procedures and surgeries and interventions and stuff like that. I couldn't even begin to try and deduce. <sighs> I mean, we would be going through so much. <laughs> <laughs> we would be going through so many theories. It's a big thing. Now, what strikes me is interesting, and I understand uh, this on a, a surface level of journalism, and that is that th there seems to be some very powerful groups and individuals behind these sorts of shakedown activities, you might say. But now we're seeing that they're really putting their cards on the table here by sending you this letter, I think. 
this is taking it to the next level, in my opinion, a federal government of the Commonwealth, nonetheless. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not... I, I'm more amused than I am surprised <laughs> because because in Australia, I mean, we have covered so many stories out of Australia with respect to, um, for example, trans-identified male rapists being moved to the female estate. Um, so if the if the government in Australia, if government bodies are willing to move rapists into women's prisons, then it's not a terribly far stretch for them to also try and slap people on the wrists for talking about things that they don't want to talk about or for talking about this issue in general. Yeah, I agree on that point. I, I guess what I'm more getting at here is take away the, the subject matter here is um, the silencing of, of media outlets, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of what content it is you're talking about. Uh, this is a step, and I know that I'm, I'm maybe being purposefully naive here, but when you do talk about it in plain facts, which is that to think you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that mm-hmm. a government would be censoring a news organisation is just mind-boggling. But now, as you said, we're just, it's just, you know, oh, that's the Australian government. Yeah, they're censoring us. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised either. One thing that I do find as well painfully hypocritical uh, and something that suffocates so much of this in irony is the people involved in this censoring and what they purport to stand for on the outside. Maybe you could just take a second to tell the folks at home what your organization essentially, the intention of your organization and why you founded it? Well, Redux was founded last year in January by myself and uh, Genevieve Gluck. Um, and the, the purpose of it was very simple, is that we wanted to have a space for female writers and female journalists to report on gender ideology specifically, but also other issues that, that impact women um, that are really born out of you know, shit liberty. Um, But we wanted to make that space for women to discuss these issues and for women to be able to get news from women on this issue. So especially because we had found that at the time, so much of the news coverage about gender ideology was coming from right wing outlets, which I'm not making any, you know, sort of judgments about conservatives or anything like that. That's certainly fine if that's what uh, you you have ideologically. But a lot of women were kind of being forced to go to those right wing outlets because the right wing outlets were the only ones who gave enough of a shit to cover it. But the reasons why they were covering it were certainly different than the reasons why women wanted to read it. Um, And so we said, you know what, let's make a space for female journalists to report on these subjects for female readers, even though we are cross demographic and we have a ton of men who, who visit our site. Um, But for female readers to go to a site to get their news from other women and to know that these women are reporting on it because they genuinely care about this issue. They genuinely care about how gender ideology or surrogacy or the sex trade impacts women and children. And they don't have to have any sort of ideological qualms about, ah, oh, do I really want to visit that site to get my news on this? Well, we are the news now. We are here to provide you that service of you don't need to worry. You're getting it from women who truly care. Seems nice. Now, if we go and look at the... E-Safety Commissioner, who is a 
woman by the name of Julie Inman Grant. Keep fresh in your mind right there uh, what Anna just said, a, a space online for women, by women. And then this is the e-commissioner who essentially either sent it or I doubt she sent it, but she certainly signed off on it, wanting to shut down a site by women for women in another country uh, for mentioning the name of um, a bloke who's out there allegedly um, running amok in a female sporting side. Um, she's written an article here, Anna, Building a Better World Online for Women and Girls. This is on International Women's Day. The internet has brought huge benefits to humanity, but as Australia's e-safety commissioner, I'm also aware of the many ways it has been weaponized to perpetuate abuse and inequality. This year's theme for innovation and technology for gender equality rightly acknowledges the powerful new education, educational and economic opportunities technology offers women and girls. Your response? I don't have one other than to tell her to go fuck herself. Like, how how is she going to... But we see this a lot, right? We see a lot of people talking big game about the rights of women and girls mm. and then not having the slightest clue as to what a woman or a girl woman or a girl is. We see this on on like a mass level, even with the uh, the United Nations women. You know, they're the ones who are out in other countries uh, uh, supposed to be there fighting for the rights of the most vulnerable women on the planet in countries where women don't have the rights to do things that, you know, say women in the West have in uh, countries where women are shoved in menstrual huts and dying because they're considered dirty when they're menstruating or shoved under uh, cloths and not allowed to vote. And then UN Women is putting out videos featuring men who call themselves women, mm -hmm. or they are saying that anybody can be a woman. How are you going to advocate for women when you don't know what a woman is? How are you going to state that females are experiencing some sort of oppression or systemic um, you know, uh, discrimination or anything like this when you can't even describe or define or create a category upon which women is an exclusive experience or femaleness is an exclusive experience? If anybody can become a woman, what does that mean anymore? So anybody can opt into this oppression that's supposed to be sex specific. Oh, sorry, gender specific, because this is the the terminology that they now use. They don't say sex based violence or sex specific violence. They use gender based violence or gender specific violence, which is just such an affront to the women who can't opt in and out of their identity at will. It's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. We see it in this country as well. Uh, you know, the most vulnerable women in this country are women in Aboriginal communities right now who it's just sickening what's taking place out of there. Uh, I've been reporting on this for a number of years and we're talking about really horrific stuff, mm -hmm. incest, rape, domestic violence on a prolific level. And women like Ingham Grant, this e-safety commissioner, couldn't give a stuff, couldn't give a stuff. She wants to talk at cocktail lunches and mm -hmm. write LinkedIn posts and serve her own purposes of power. Yeah. And I think that's what this is about. Yeah, very much so. And, and what you're effectively talking about is that these people who want to talk big game about supporting women, meanwhile, it's often the women from the most vulnerable populations that are impacted the heaviest by gender ideology, for example, like um, female inmates 
it doesn't matter what country you look at, whether it be Australia or Canada or the United States, more often than not, female inmates are from racialized backgrounds or they are uh, from very poor communities. We have interviewed so many women uh, that they are being put in prisons with men, mm-hmm. with male rapists, some of the worst, the worst crimes. And you have these men going into women's institutions with these population that is extraordinarily vulnerable that isn't particularly violent because we all know female uh, uh, pattern violence is, uh, or female pattern criminality, excuse me, is very different from male pattern criminality. So more often than not, we're talking about nonviolent uh, uh, women being locked up with men who have murdered and raped or committed heinous crimes against children. Yes. Uh, and many of these women would have sexual trauma themselves. The overwhelming majority of female inmates in the United States come from a background of sexual trauma. And now they're being shacked up with pedophiles and rapists. Mm-hmm. Where are where's UN women? Where are these women who who purport to care? Where are these activists who purport to care about these communities? Where are they when these women are speaking out? Nowhere. No, they're not. They're, they're busy fulfilling uh, a, a separate set of, of ideological goals, it would seem. Um when you start to get into the nitty gritty of the gender policy within uh, the UN's sustainable development goals, it's gobbledygook. It's like it's from a dystopian novel. Yet, because all of these countries, like Australia included, Canada, many countries, member states of the United Nations, uh, are filled with politicians who are either corrupt or believe in that emergent order of a one system through the UN and all the sustainability bullshit. So we're starting to see these policies play out in the real world is what I'm saying now. And where you don't see that any clearer than the example you just gave of a prison. I, I hope that this doesn't carry on for too much longer. It's, it probably will, but it's good to see that there's a lot of noise being made now. Good noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not nearly enough, I wouldn't say. Women are trying and they've been trying, but I feel as though things aren't even remotely close to the fever pitch that people think that it is. Things are getting progressively worse. I think, though, that it'll it'll reach a point of, I hope, it needs to reach that uh, critical mass where the general population goes, what are we believing in? This is nonsense. Uh, do 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 you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The the thing is, is that a lot of people haven't yet had it come close enough to home. Mm-hmm. It's like they're not going to care in, until it starts to impact them personally, which is why when we look at where the loudest outcries have been, it has been where schools, for example, where parents are seeing the impact of this ideology on their kids and they're going, wait a second this is crazy. And maybe these would have been people who would have never normally thought about this. Apolitical suburban families who just want to live their life, pay their taxes, mow their lawn, whatever. Now it's hitting very close to home. When they've got daughters on sports teams facing off against males, when they've got daughters going into the bathrooms with boys, and not being able to, there are girls having to, uh, I heard these stories out of the UK recently, girls saying that they are effectively holding going to the bathroom all day because they're afraid to go to the bathroom or embarrassed to go to the bathroom around boys in these mixed sex facilities. Wow. Abuse. Absolutely. That 
is where you get the fever pitch. That is where you get parents going, wait a second, this is this is nuts now. This is too much. We would have been okay, you know, had you kept it over there, but now you're bringing it right in our backyard. Um, the thing is, is that it hasn't hit enough people's backyards. It will, sure enough, it will. But for now, people still feel like they can keep distance from it. And it's just going to creep slowly, slowly, slowly. It's going to creep and it's going to get worse and worse and worse until it's in enough people's backyards that people go, wait a second, enough is enough. This is too much. You know, tolerance was one thing, but where you are now basically forcing it and doing a compulsion into every element of our lives, that's enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, on behalf of the Australian people, I'm sorry about the letter. <laughs> that is a-okay. Uh, here's the thing. When I got that letter i wasn't terribly surprised that it was from australia <laughs> because i was figuring if i would ever get a letter from a government it was either going to be canada australia or new zealand which are like the retarded siblings of the commonwealth the fact that it was from australia and this is just just one week after we sort of revisited the case uh, out of Melbourne that we covered uh, exclusively in January, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with this story, but uh, one of your country women was horrifically, horrifically assaulted by a trans activist in Melbourne. And it took her full four months to get any sort of action from the police before this individual was actually charged. The court case has now been adjourned uh, uh, until May. Um, he actually appeared in court on April 14th, and it was just sort of deferred until May. But I am constantly told by Australians that there was not a single other news outlet in Australia that covered the story. And this was a woman that has been left with permanent injuries. She She's permanently disabled after that attack. And she was attacked for apparently misgendering this individual during a night out in Melbourne. One of the most horrific cases I've reported on. And where is the outrage? That's why we had to revisit it last week is because we originally reported on this story in January. And I just want to keep reminding people of it because I'm like, look, look at what you have allowed. Yeah, it's, it's bad here. I don't think I've got enough minutes on my Zoom account to explain why it's that bad, but um, my, my viewers certainly know. One problem here is that uh, we've seen this in in history when when certain leftist movements do get too violent or do take too control much control there can be a very dangerous swing back the other way to the right and i think that perhaps the closest we might see to this is ron DeSantis. um i don't think people are quite aware of what they could be getting into there so there are a lot of people that can potentially be harmed here I don't suspect there's that many trans individuals. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, it's 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 a fraction of the population, truly. I mean, there's more people than ever identifying as LGBTQ because, of course, uh, especially the younger generation, because, you know, being, you know, just your regular straight, non-transgender individual is just not cool anymore. So, of course, everybody has to have some special identity that they slap onto their... Uh, to their to their name but it's really truly a fractional tiny percent uh of the population that is dictating so much of our lives so they're being used in a way as well that's not to excuse them from any of their behavior they're being used that, and they're uh, using sorry go ahead 
oh no, you're you're right. They're being used and they're using. Yeah, it's it's very much a uh, I would say between the elites and uh, this very powerful itty bitty group. It's a symbiotic, toxic relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. You know, I want to talk about transhumanism, but um, I don't know how much time we have here. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you're interested in talking about. Maybe I could save that for another time. Uh, my colleague Genevieve Gluck would be amazing for that because uh, she's done so much work on transhumanism. Great. From my research, it seems like that's what this is about. That would be great if I could talk to her. Um, go to this website. Redux is with two X's, R-E-D-U-X-X.com. Dot info. Sorry, dot info. Thank you. No problem. Uh, Anna Slats has been my guest here this morning. Anna, thanks so much for coming on. It was great to talk to you. Thank you very much. And I accept your apology on behalf of the Australian government. <laughs> All righty. Bye-bye. The Nick Holt Podcast.